thing on? Is it on? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey. Welcome back to another episode of the Movie Bugle podcast. My name is Justin, and I am so excited that you guys have taken the time to tune in to the latest episode. Welcome in, welcome on, and welcome everyone. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? I'm actually doing very, very well. I'm so excited about this particular episode. I have a very special guest with me on this one, but before I bring her on, just a few housekeeping as always. Be sure to check out the Movie Bugle podcast on Instagram at the Movie Bugle, um, where you can find the links to listen to my podcast, um, share it on your own social media pages, and uh, just get the word out there. And um, if you have any questions, um, what I want to start doing in future episodes is I want to address any questions or topics that people may have for me. So if you have any questions or things that you want me to talk about on the show, whether it's specific or if it's more general, um, you can email me uh, themoviebugle at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. So on this episode, we are actually going to be talking about the movie United States versus Billy Holiday. And before I bring my special guest on, um, I wanted to use my podcast. One of the things I want to use my podcast for is to talk about real life issues as they relate to movies. So I'm a big movie nerd, as you guys already know. I love all types of movies. I love the comic book movies. I love the horror movies. I love, you know, the action, the dramas, the comedies. Um, One thing I also love is biopics. And I love like the true story uh, movies that go back and tell, especially being a black man, you know, it tells our story from a different time period. So, um, on this particular episode, I wanted to bring in someone who I look up to. Um, she is actually my aunt. Um, I'm going to have her introduce herself in just a second once I bring her on here. Um, but she's a history teacher and we talk about, you know, a lot of different events that I see in movies, I'll go to her and say, hey, this happened, you know, can you tell me a little bit about it? And, you know, she'll give me the full rundown. So let me go ahead and bring my aunt on right now. All right. So without further ado, I would like to welcome my special guest to this episode. She is someone that I've always looked up to in many different ways. She is also one of the best AP history and black history teachers teachers that we have in this entire country. Welcome to the Movie Bugle podcast show. My aunt, Auntie Sherry. Hey, Auntie. Hey, Justin. Hey, nephew. How are you? You That is such a sweet introduction. You don't even feel this already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. That was so sweet. Thank you for saying those things. Of course. You know, it's. I told you before. Um, the I've already told the audience what we're talking about. But when I watched it, the first thing that came into my mind afterwards is, you know what? Me and my auntie, we always come together and we talk about movies. Like she'll always hit me up and be like, you know, just I just saw Wonder Woman or I just saw Avengers. I have a whole bunch of questions, and then we'll we'll debrief. And I do the same thing for her with like these historic biopics and stuff. I'm like, did you do you know about this? She'd be like, oh, absolutely. Let me go ahead and give you a whole history lesson. So. <laughs> I wanted to bring my auntie on here and let's talk about this movie together and just talk about the the significance of the theme behind this movie and everything that happened with Billie Holiday. Right. And I appreciate that because sometimes, you know, being of different generations, we may not have a common interest. But the fact that you and I find things in common to bond over is is. It's special. I enjoy. Oh. I enjoy. I enjoy our movie times and our movie conversations. Now, yeah, I can't watch a movie with you live because you'll be asking me questions in the middle of it. But after you're I done sure watching will. the movie, <laughs> I sure will. I will say pause it. I need to know exactly why that happened and what does that mean and what did I miss in the last episode because I don't connect it to this one. So yes, right. I will. And I'll be like, I'll... Auntie, just wait until the episode or the movie is over and we'll talk about it afterwards. I gotta know now. Exactly. And I got to know what's coming next. Like with uh, your brother, CJ, if we're watching a scary movie, I'll ask him, let me know when the scary parts are coming so that (laughs) (laughs) I can cover my eyes. I can prepare my spirit for it because I, you know, my heart is is not ready for those types of scenes. Right. So 
this particular movie, United States versus Billie Holiday, was directed by Lee Daniels. Uh, Lee Daniels has brought us movies like Precious, um, The Butler, starring Forrest Whitaker. Um, he was also the executive producer and showrunner for the show's TV show Empire and star both on Fox. And just wanted to get some general, like overall impressions of the movie. I'll let you go first before we actually start diving into some of the themes. So, Auntie, what did you think about the movie itself, The United States versus Billie Holiday? Um, well, I was excited to see that this movie was being even being made in the first place. You know, Billie Holiday is someone that uh, I respect. I have um, a lot of knowledge of because growing up with your grandmother, she introduced us to, you know, female singers, people of, of prominence, but who also had um, uh, uh, another side to their story besides their music. And so I knew about her before the movie was even made um, because of your grandmother. And then to see that they're going to put a spotlight on someone like Billie Holiday, who typically is not known uh, well in the mainstream. Right. I was excited. I was excited. And then to see who they cast to play um, Billie Holiday, I thought um, they did a good job of casting uh, Audrey, Day as, Audrey, Day. Yeah. Audrey Day as Billie Holiday. So even before the movie came out, I was excited and ready to see it. Um, my sorority, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So the, the, <laughs> <laughs> so the movie was selected by our, our, our sorority as a red carpet event. So they there was a lot of push um, from the national chapter for SOARS to watch it with their families. So me already knowing who she was, me being excited, and then now the sorority saying we're going to support this film was like I was ready to to, to see it. Me too. I, I saw, so I connect to movies um, with people that are in it. Um, so I saw uh, Tyler James Williams. He was uh, Chris from Everybody Hates Chris. I saw him in the trailers. I saw Andre Day. And I was like, this looks interesting. And I saw the name Lee Daniels. So mm -hmm. before I even put two and two together, I was like, oh, this movie looks interesting. And then also one of the other actors in the movie was from the movie Moonlight. Um, I want to say it was Ravante Rhodes. I think that was his name. Um, he was the third. Did you see Moonlight, right? Yes. Yeah, he was the third. Well, um, I, I can't think of the, the, the boy's name, but he was him as an adult. So when I saw him in the trailer, I was like, oh, okay, so I wanted to see this movie. And for me, I love a good uh, biopic. I love something that is not sugar-coated or fabricated. I like it when it gives it to you raw. And this movie yeah. dives into really, really good themes, you know, with her and her addiction, but also what the government, you know, was doing to her about her song, Strange Fruit. And to be honest, I think I may have heard Strange Fruit as a little child because of my grandmother, but as an adult, I like didn't really hear it. So after I watched this movie, I just looked up old videos of, you know, uh, Billie Holiday singing that song. And it's a very chilling song and it's very real and it's very raw. And it's something that needed to be written and sung back in the day from, you know, the black perspective of us being hanged from trees. Right, right. And it's, it's very funny how, like, you know, just jumping into the overall theme of this movie, how the government was coming after her for singing this song because it put, you know, white people in a bad light. And it's just like, we're just speaking our <laughs> truth. We're speaking about, you know, the strange fruit that are being hung from trees in the South. Right. And one of the things I do want to kind of talk about is that song. Um, because that becomes the focus of the, the whole, um, <laughs> the fact that the U.S. government came after, came for uh, Billie Holiday in the first place was because of that song. Right. And, you know, when, a, you, I mean, you know this better than I would as far as how, what inspires an artist to write music. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's based on something that they personally witnessed or experienced. Right. And their art is a way of kind of dealing with what they have witnessed and experienced. And so I'm glad they included a scene where she saw a body hanging from a tree, right? You know, by accident, she happened to see, and then, and then, and then, when you read more about her evolution of writing that song and her singing that song, she was like, "Yeah, because how do I deal with the trauma <laughs> of I just saw a black body hanging from a tree?" And right. so, and then you, knowing that in this country, when you see things like that, that more than likely, that becomes the end of the story. There's no justice. There's no um, 
the families don't receive any type of of of, of recreation uh, or nothing you know it's like like that's the end that's the end that's your final um image of your loved one right and so she the fact that she wrote that based off an experience it's like okay as an artist that's what you do and so then when the government came for her and say that you know we don't want you singing that song she was like so my experience is not valid <laughs> right my my i mean she personally did not have a loved one but to have a family member or, or someone that looks like you face that and then you witness it and you see it i can't write about it right you're, you're offended that i wrote about it <laughs> exactly and i think it's really crazy because even she was trying to bring people together like she wanted to you know have like integrated um like concerts i would have black people and white people and brown people all sit together at my shows and you know she was like the voice of the people and people loved her music no matter you know where you came from in life and music does have a way of bringing people together and i think as an artist you the more authentic you are as an artist, the more people can appreciate it, you know, uh, your art and your artistry. And I think even when you're trying to bring someone out of, you know, a situation, someone who's gone through it before, like I can look up to someone who's gone through stuff in life and say, hey, I've been down this road, I've done this, I've done that, you know, this is how I brought my way out, uh, this is how I found my way out, you know, so follow me. So I think a lot of people connect it because, even though she didn't personally lose someone from hanging, you know, she was speaking to a, a community and a nation of people who everyone has been affected by it. Everyone at that point may have lost, you know, a mother or a brother or a child for hanging. And when was the when was the song actually written? Do you know? Um, that's a good question. I did not do my research and find out. <laughs> I'm going to find that out really quick. But, you know, I was thinking because I think she passed away, um, you know, sadly at a young age. I think when she was 44 years old, I want to say in 1959. What year did uh, Emmett Till happen? 1955. Okay. I want to say it was, it was done before, like, the whole Emmett Till thing. I know he wasn't hung from a tree, but that was another example of like a brutal it was beating. a lynching it was a yeah. lynching. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah <laughs> so it was it was a lynching <laughs> exactly um it was just another like a uh, display of just a re reality a lot of people like a lot of us went through back in that day um so i think that this movie i'm i'm happy that lee daniels didn't shy away from the fact that we need to tell the story raw and mm -hmm. we need to tell the story authentically yes. um, of how it happened. And we don't want to sugarcoat it. And I'm happy that it, it is on Hulu. So if you have access to Hulu, you can watch it. But I'm happy they did, didn't shy away and say, oh, we're not going to make it rated R because we don't want it to offend anyone. Like, no, tell the truth. Like, Tell the truth. It's if, our history. It's our I, history. Right. <laughs> if our history offends you, then I'm sorry, but it's the truth. <laughs> so that's crazy. Um, I'm still looking it up. But one of the things I, I found that was very striking, and I think that I wanted to talk to you about this as well, is there was a quote that was said in the movie when she got arrested once and she was going, I guess, to trial. Um, she said that people who are uh, the hardest on me is my own race. And that quote sort of stuck with me because I think that Black people have developed this very, very tough, like, you have to be tough. You have to be strong because if not, we don't want to see the world um, you know, the, we can't, we can't have the world show us, you know, like we, because they already look at us as being less than dirt and all the stuff like that. I think this mentality of, you know, we're hardest on each other. Like just think about even coming to America too, just came out and this, uh -huh. you know, there's a lot of people who love it, but there's a lot of people who was like, Oh, like whatever. And I'm like, you don't see other races tear like their own movie, their own movies down like that. So what do you think about like that line itself? Like, you know, the hardest people on that are on me is my own race. And how do you think that that ties into like the history and some of the, the beatings that we had to go through like do you think there's a correlation there um well i just for first want to a point to we say we often say that black people are the only people who tear each other down that that's that's not true all mm -hmm. races tear each other down so that's not we we don't own that yeah <laughs> as as black people we don't own you know the whole crabs in a buckle but but bucket mentality of when one starts to rise we pull each other down that's something that's universal across all races so i want us to kind of uh stop saying that 
Okay. Stop saying that. That's something that only black people do because that's not unique to us. That's a, that's something that people who have uh, insecurities do, and insecurities are not use, um, unique to black folks. We we don't own insecurities. We own right. we own potato salad <laughs> <laughs> and macaroni and cheese. We're macaroni and cheese. We own we own a lot of stuff. But insecurities and that whole mentality of pulling each other down and we're worse to each other than anybody else, we that is not ours. I, I want us to stop saying that part. So now back to the other thing, the context of her saying that that quote. And if you remember, there was also another part where they were comparing her and say, why don't you be more like a Marian Anderson? Mm-hmm. Why don't you be more like an Ella Fitzgerald? Those are the women that you should start emulating versus being this raw and real singer you know trying to tell her comparing her to other singers who at the same time were still being discriminated against (laughs) who were still being denied access to venues where they could kind of show their craft so it's interesting that she said um about her own people because she you know experiencing that where her people people who look like her people who were buying her records were telling her you need to tone it down you need to be um a, a little bit more uh, acceptable to the masses, i.e. the white people, and not offending them. Otherwise, none of us are going to advance as if you're putting the entire race of black people on the shoulders of one person and saying, right. you have you have to make it, you have to do right so that the rest of us can get through that door that you are um, you have an opportunity for. So it was, I, I remember that scene. I remember that scene where she said that, you know, my own people come for me more than the white people do. Why do you think people are afraid of, well, I mean, I, it's probably like an obvious answer, but do you think like people was afraid, like, it's okay, like what we have right now is, you know, it's not the it's not the best, but it's also not the worst. And I think what you're doing is, you know, is making it worse for us. Like, do you think it was like, that was the reason why people wanted her to tone herself down because she was exposing light to bad areas and she ultimately wanted a better society for herself and also for her people. Um, but do you think it was because of that? Like people were just afraid of, you know, the repercussions of her trying to bring us out of that, that place? Yeah, that, that was a real, feeling of fear um, similar to what we feel today when we tell our black children to when you go into public spaces to kind of tone it down because you don't want to bring attention to yourself you don't want people to follow you in a store you when you're driving make sure that you know everything is 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 where it's supposed to be because you don't want to get pulled over by the cop right that that same mentality that same fear of what could happen was very real in Billie Holiday's time where as if you spoke out or you spoke against or if you said something like I don't agree with what you're doing you put yourself out there and you could be the next victim because speaking out was seen as being sassy speaking out was being seen as being oh you're 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 you got a loud mouth or you're you're a troublemaker you're a rebel or a rebel rouser is that what is it a rebel rebel rouser <laughs> i'm yeah, kind of thinking of those old school terms <laughs> yeah i think i've heard of, like a rebel I, I know troublemaker but yeah you're, never... you're a troublemaker and then yeah. trouble troublemakers got dealt with by lynching that was the, the resolution like if you spoke out if you were one of those people who spoke out against injustices if you're one of those people who's people who spoke out against things that were happening in a community and you're like this is just wrong this is just wrong mm. people would say well you're instigating trouble that's what they said her song was you're instigating a riot you're causing people to speak against this wrong versus <laughs> you are kind of bringing light to this wrong and so they wanted to shut that down they wanted to shut that down. So the, the people who were often saying to a Billie Holiday, don't sing that song, don't do that because they were fearful of the fact that she could become a target. One way you silence somebody is by lynching them. You know, like if, if you know, she could, if they lynched her, if they did something to her, she could never sing that song again. Right. And so that's what the other fear was real. The other fear was real that they were gonna come for you if you keep singing this song. Exactly. One of the things that uh, we talked about this briefly before we recorded this um, is we both seen and watched Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max, which I yes. also love. And yes. that came out during uh, Black History Month this year. Yes, um, Daniel Kalula. <laughs> right. <laughs> give him all the awards. Give him everything. Yes, yes. Give him his Oscar now. <laughs> right. Just give it to him. He deserves it. 
They're um, supposed to be announcing the Oscars today, aren't they? Uh, I think the Oscars is the, and then the the announcement is this weekend, and I think the the Grammys is actually being aired tonight. So this actually we're, we're pre-recording this, so you guys will hear this after everything is coming out. But yeah, I think they're announce, uh, announcing the Oscars this today. Give him weekend. his Oscar now. <laughs> Give. Audrey Day, her Oscar. Let's just get it over right. with. <laughs> Let's just go ahead. It's just they already won those categories. They but won. They won. Else, we'll go ahead and announce everyone else. But one of the things that I was uh, drawing parallels to from watching this movie and also um, Judas and the Black Messiah is both were trying to be silenced for their voice. Um, yeah. very differently like Fred Hampton you know was a leader of the Black Panther you know chapter in Chicago and um, you know Billie Holiday was a jazz singer but they both were one very young to use their voice to talk about their experience in their whether it's a community or for their people and it was so threatening that you know the government or FBI um, in both situations tried to silence them so I just wanted to talk to you about that uh, for a little bit and just like what parallels did you see between the two and what do you think about like people who like they pose as a threat just for using their voice just for telling their truth yeah like they're not doing anything more than telling their truth and they're seen as a threat so the parallels i see between fred hampton the real fred hampton and the real billy holiday was that you have an individual like you said that was using their talent using their voice using their gift to um, kind of bring light to what was happening in their communities. That's what both of them were doing. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to make millions of dollars. They weren't trying to drop the latest mixtape and become uh, uh, Instagram <laughs> famous because that right. wasn't around back then. But they were just trying to use their voices to make change in their community. And these are individuals who were targeted by institutions. You had entire institutions bringing resources, meaning we are going to bring the latest equipment so that we could surveillance these individuals. We're going to have somebody follow her. Mm -hmm. In that movie, he followed her. All over the country. <laughs> All over the country. Right. And they're paying for that. They are paying his salary to follow this individual so that they could bring her down. And the same thing with Fred Hampton, you know, um, tearing up the, the, the offices, you know, blowing it up to silence some one individual, an entire institution coming for one individual. I'm like, wow, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing as a nation. We're spending resources and money and hiring people and they're, they're, they're checking in. Like I'm clocking in in the morning at 8 a.m. My job today is to follow Billie Holiday. My job today is destroy the Black Panthers. And then I clock out, okay. Right, I mission back at it tomorrow. Right. Mission accomplished and then back at it tomorrow versus <laughs> the other institutions that were truly like destroying this Black community, like the Klan. It's like, wow, if you could just like, put those resources into bringing down the Ku Klux Klan. If you could just like divert some of those, like even half the money, even half your your FBI say, okay, half of y'all go follow Fred Hampton and can half of y'all go follow that Ku Klux Klan? Can right. half of y'all go over there and try to, you know, put out what they're doing? Just imagine how different our nation would be. But they, they had her picture on the wall was like, this is our public enemy number one. Fred Hampton, this is public enemy number one. This is the biggest threat to our nation's security. You're like 21 years old, Fred right. Hampton? Right. <laughs> for for promoting his own community and, you know, protecting and serving, like he's protecting his own community. They, beat, from... they beating babies. Right. Breakfast. <laughs> right. He ain't doing nothing but putting some grits and eggs in each of his mouths. You get a scoop of grits, you get a right. scoop of eggs. That's the biggest threat. That's the, the biggest threat. Not not the terrorists, not people shooting up, not the, the drugs and stuff that's coming in. It's literally person over here feeding breakfast to these children before they go yep. to school. That is the biggest threat. I'm like, wow, wow. That's that's and that's and that that became the narrative of our, our US government that we're gonna put our energies on these two individuals. Right. I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned just in the past year of uh, being in this pandemic and everything that happened last year with, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the social injustice that's always been going on, but is now being seen uh, from the other side on a public platform, because I feel like Black people have always been saying we've been going through this, you know, since we came over here to this country, um, is your voice is very, very strong. And I, I like to follow people online who has the right thing to say and how to say it. 
um, who can bring people together. And it's very interesting that voices can be used as a weapon. And I think voices have just as much of an impact on people as, you know, guns and mass destruction can. Obviously one has a different, you know, outcome, you know, you know, if you're going around shooting people, but I think that it's crazy how both, you know, Fred Hampton and Billie Holiday use their voice to tell their their truth and their story and the government wanted to silence their voice because they said if i silence this person we can silence a whole nation or we can silence a whole neighborhood or a community or a movement and you know even the situation that you know um with you know, um, ahmaud aubrey and you know brianna taylor you know when we're recording this the just yesterday was the year anniversary for uh, when brianna taylor was 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 killed Right. And, you know, her voice being silent and we've been trying to echo her name, you know, throughout the past year, you know, just keeping her voice alive because if we silence that name, we'll silence everything that happened to her and we can just sweep it under the rug like everything else. So I, right. I just, I think it's really interesting that, you know, they, just for speaking both their truths, you know, they were trying to be silenced and they, like you said, use all those resources to try to silence them. And I hope that we get to a point where, it's okay to talk about the difficult things. Um, it's okay to talk about the history. Like I hear all the time, oh, slavery was so long ago. Didn't Harriet Tubman just die like a year, a hundred years ago? <laughs> like she, she died on this side of, you know, the 1900s. So yes. it's not that long ago. And I think that if we don't talk about these things, if we don't address it and deal with it, correctly in the right way we're gonna see itself repeated we're gonna see these things keep going on and we're we're not gonna get no real justice or, or no real change from these things right one of the things that I, I think that is powerful what you just said as far as parallel between silencing a fred hampton and a billy holiday versus uh, what's happening today is with fred hampton you know he he was not a lone actor there was an entire mass movement behind what he was doing right. um and then sometimes people would target the leader thinking that if you remove the head then the body just kind of falls away um and we've learned i mean we as a community have learned that it's it's the people the power is within the people right. that is what keeps that voice allowed so it wasn't just a fred hampton who was talking about power to the people it was it was a mass movement of people who were saying the same thing so you silence him but then you have stokely carmichael who picks up that voice and the microphone and starts saying the same thing so you have others who are in that movement same thing with today you know with the um anniversary i was like i was watching online um people kind of acknowledge and remember and and can keep her voice in of, of relevance of brianna taylor um and then you know the jury selection began this week of uh, in the george floyd case and then they announced the the 27 million dollars to the family you know it's the people who keep that voice relevant it's the people who keep that voice alive and so i think that's where the movement kind of gains momentum right because it's, it's not just one person you know like if the fbi was going to target black lives matter who are they coming for exactly <laughs> <laughs> who are they gonna come for you know because you got your three organizers you got the three women who who started the organization but it is now within the people and mm -hmm. you drive down the street you see the black lives matter signs you see um the george floyd murals you see brianna taylor's um image you know across who, who are they gonna target now saying be quiet we don't want you you know keeping up this 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 narrative about um police you know killing you know black people innocent black and brown people who who they gonna come for so i think that's what kind of keeps it going the momentum going because there's it's it's the people it's people right. like you and me who are keep saying it who keep um making sure that people know that you know until justice comes for <laughs> all of us until those individuals get it we all got to stay in this fight Right. I think one thing that's interesting um, from the movie is, you know, they would try to find any little thing to discredit her or to bring her down. So, you know, Billie Holiday, and they do show in the movie that she had, you know, an addiction to, to drugs. Um, and they tried to use that to silence her. Um, and I, one thing, just like making a parallel to stuff that happens today, anytime something happens within, you know, 
like the black community like oh an unarmed black man or unarmed black woman or child was just murdered for no reason they try to find things in their past to discredit them from being a victim and it's like oh well 20 years ago he pushed you know an old woman off a bicycle and you know <laughs> sold his bicycle when he was 12 years old so so he you know he deserved that bullet you know he, he deserved it and it's like wait so y'all really gonna go way back to this person before he was an adult like for all this other type of stuff and you know even with um Trayvon Martin you know it's I so I'm you know obviously you know I'm from Florida but the listeners I'm from Florida and I actually grew up maybe 30 minutes away from where Trayvon Martin you know was shot and killed and I remember that story being unfold as you know unarmed black man you know, shot and killed by neighborhood watch person or whoever. And I think as a story started to unfold, we got more of the details. Well, you know, George Zimmerman called the police and said, I see a suspicious person walking through our neighborhood. The police tell him to wait there, wait till police come. And he decided on his own to go approach. They got into a tussle, you know, and then out of quote unquote self-defense, he says, you know, he shot and killed Trayvon Martin. And I remember like, you know, just leading up to trial and during the trial, they tried to say, oh, well, you know, they posted pictures of him, you know, with gold in his mouth and they all the stuff like that. They tried to discredit Trayvon Martin saying, well, you know, maybe he was a thug. Maybe he was this because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like- They came for his whole family. Yeah. They came for and, his mother, they came for his father. <laughs> right. And it's like, y'all are really taken away from the fact that besides all of that, this dude, you know, this young boy was killed you know for no reason yep. um and so that's one thing i was also thinking about watching like this movie is yeah she had her addiction problems and yes she had this and stuff and they tried to use that to well let's get her on this charge you know if let's get her on this and we can put her in jail we can silence her this way and you know and then she'll put out there i'm clean now to try to you know get her off and she still had her problems in the you know behind closed doors and stuff but i just think that it's very interesting that we try to find the little things to discredit people to take away from the bigger picture that at the end of the day this person is still innocent this person is not doing anything wrong to hurt anyone and they was you know victimized or they were killed or they were shot what do you think about that yeah i think i you, you hit the nail on the head where is you know you try to like where well, you use your word discredit you try to discredit and silence their voice based off of a mistake Whereas that narrative is not universal. Like if, if someone who was of, of who was white who did the same thing, they're kind of saying, well, you know, let's overlook that one small mistake that they made, but they're still a great person. Whereas right. with you know with the uh, with the Trayvon Martin, the craziest one was Tamir Rice when you know they had tried to paint him as a grown grown. Can I curse? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was about to say grown ass man. I was like, he's 12 years old. Right. He is 12 years old. But the narrative was here's a grown man in a park with a gun. And it was like, no, here's a kid with a toy gun. But they tried, they tried their best to say, we got to find something bad about Tamir Rice to make it look like it's okay for him to take that bullet. It was justified for him to take that bullet. And right. it was like, he was a 12 year old. They were like, well, he was tall for his age. He was tall. That's what they ended up with. That's what the narrative was. Well, he was tall. So I thought he was a grown man versus a 12 year old kid. But you're right. They tried to, um, the fact that they, I remember the, the scene in the movie where she went to jail for a year and because she was in jail, she didn't have access to her, her vice, which was heroin. Mm -hmm. And so she came out clean. She came out clean and said, I'm, I'm done. I couldn't, you know, my body is out of my system. And then for the government to kind of step in and say, no, we, we need you. We need you to be sick. We need you to be addicted. We need you on this because that's the only thing we could use to bring you down. Right. So we're going to intentionally put that back in your system and give you access to it and, and and put people around you who are going to influence you just so we can bring you down. We're going to, you here you are a person who has overcome an addiction, which is hard as <laughs> hard in any any type of, of, of situation for a person who was addicted to a substance to kind of get it out of them, even though it wasn't, it was forced for her to get out of it by going to jail, but right. for the government to say, we need you to be addicted to this heroin so that we can bring you down was, was 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 sad that was sad <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy and I, I think 
think that you can watch this movie and look at it from, depending on who you are, you know, sadly, you can watch it and look at it from two different ways. You can watch it and say, you know, she was a victim to everything that was going on and a victim to her society. The other part, you can look at it and say, oh, she was a drug addict. She was this and she was that. And I think even that narrative still to this day, like I've seen like comments online is like, oh, she had great music, but she was also a, like a drug addict. So I don't understand, you know, why. And then she was using her voice to, you know, encourage people to riot and stuff like that. And and it's, it's very interesting. It's like, how did we watch the same movie? Like, did we <laughs> did we look at the same thing? Because I'm not I'm not giving her. I'm not gonna like you know it's okay to do drugs type thing but what I'm saying is like that wasn't like the overall message like that wasn't what the bigger picture was and you know I didn't I guess I didn't catch that when I was watching it where how they gave her the drugs and like we want you to be sick so we can use this we can paint you as a villain mm -hmm. um for that's the only thing they had that's remember it, it was in the um in the police in the in the police uh, uh office they were in one of the detectives office and they were like oh, what can we get her on what can we get her on because she won't stop singing the song and they were like well you know she's a drug addict right we can get her on drug charges <laughs> yeah so that was an intentional conversation about how can we bring this woman down that's crazy yeah it's um i don't know if i ever seen um what's the one with diana ross about oh, lady sings the blues is that movie as like raw as this one because i heard it like i heard it's really good but i i've never seen it is that movie just as raw about everything or how does that parallel to like this movie um, yeah, they, they just as raw. Um, I would I would give credit to um, both actresses, Diana Ross and um, Audrey Day, for playing that role. To the fact that you actually believe and you can kind of see, oh wow, that's what heroin addiction looks like. Mm. You know, they play it so well that you're just like, whoa. <laughs> they had to go to a dark place to kind of bring that to light. But what both of them do, and then um, Audrey Day said this in an interview with Oprah that she wanted people to walk away from the film not seeing Billie Holiday as a victim. Mm. Like, she was a victim of her circumstances. She was a victim of heroin. You know, she was a drug addict. They were like, no, 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 that's not the narrative. Here you have a woman who has this, this addiction, but that was secondary to the music. That was secondary to the activism. That was secondary to who she was as a person. It's right. like, she was putting out hits and you're like, what? And it's just kind of like you finding out later that this she had this this issue going on too. It's like, wait a minute, how are you able to sing? How are you able to do such uh, magic? <laughs> That's simply what it is. It was just magic. You created, you were, you were a genius. And this other thing was going on with you that you kept hidden well. Right. So you weren't a victim. You were actually, you know, you were just imagine if that wasn't a part of what you can do, you would have just like taken over the world. Exactly. If that wasn't in your life. But so she definitely wasn't a victim. And I think both of them did a good job. Both Lady Singer Blues and the US versus Billie Holiday did a good job of not painting Billie Holiday as a victim. Like poor, poor Billie Holiday. Oh, she had this drug addiction. Man, oh man, poor Billie Holiday. I wish life wouldn't have done that to her. Like, no, no, she dropped some major hits. Right. <laughs> You know, she used her voice. She recognized who she was at that time as an artist and the and the and the the need for her voice to be used and recognized that she was probably the only one who could do it. And in spite of the addiction, she still was able to kind of make a name for herself and make make her voice known and put out those hits and put out those songs. Like I was watching a movie and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that song. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that song, too. You know, you just kind of remember that she was a hit maker. Right. She was a hit maker. Yeah, it's actually really interesting that you're saying that. As I was actually just thought about Chadwick Boseman, um, you know, um, sadly he passed away last year. And obviously two different situations, but I like that you said that the narrative is not, they're not a victim. And even thinking about like his story, you know, he died from, from cancer, but just thinking about the movies that he put out while he had cancer. And I think that's what makes me respect him even more because we didn't know he was dealing with this while he was shooting, you know, Black Panther and like some of the other movies that came out, like all the Avengers and stuff like that. He was dealing with this. So I'm just, in my mind, I'm just thinking, wow, like if he never had, you know, the cancer and he was still with us today, like what could he you know, be doing? You know, he was a genius with it himself because he was still able to give us quality work you know, dealing with this, you know, secretly on the side. So I like that. I like that um, comparison that you just did. Right. And I'll say this, I'll say this as far as the, the, 
what they all had to deal with. I was like, their greatness still came through. Right. Like Chadwick Bowman's, we still got to see his greatness. Right. Despite the cancer, we still got to see it. With Billie Holiday, we still got to see the greatness. I just think that the for Billie Holiday, the the drug kind of cut it short. Right. We would we would have seen more of it. We would have seen so much more. Like her career would have probably lasted five decades. Like you see, like the Cicely Tyson's or the people who kind of career goes an entire lifetime. Exactly. I think we got we only got to see a glimmer of their greatness, but there was so much more in them so much more and i'm thankful that you know like with the chat chat with Bozeman, we still got to see despite the cancer we got to see i mean he played the hell out of that ma, <laughs> that ma rainy role give him his award that's the other one just just give him his oscar Wait, now just give, ahead, just give it just give it to him for best supporting actor uh for, for best actor give it to daniel kalula for best actress give it to Audrey. day just let's just go ahead and call it Oscars right. are over. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't need anything else. Like everyone else out there good too, but just go ahead and give it to me. Just give it to them. Just give it to them cuz you still got to see their greatness. You still got to see these artists greatness despite despite right. the the diseases that they were facing. Yeah, it's really cool and one thing that I want like the listeners to take away from is, you know, one thing with me with movies is I I always try to like look at movies especially with content like this and okay let me go on a deep dive and actually learn the history and learn about you know what these movies are is movies have a really good way of telling stories that can make it relevant to today you know billy holiday passed away you know back in the 50s and her music still echoes through you know the world today like we're still living off of you know the music that she she made yeah. and i i like these types of stories um one one really cool story that you know auntie knows she was obviously a part of it is with um when watchman was on hbo uh watchman is a comic book you know story and everything like that um i was watching it and they tied the story to a real life situation that i'd never heard about um tulsa massacre in oklahoma and I remember watching, you know, and I went on Twitter and I just saw Tulsa, Oklahoma trending number one. And I was like, why is it trending? And went on a deep dive and learned about this whole massacre, learned about Black Wall Street. And the first person I called, I was like, auntie, do you know about Tulsa? And she's like, do I? <laughs> it's like, gave me a whole history lesson. And I was like, it's crazy. Like, you know, I knew about Rosewood because, you know, it happened in Florida. And, you know, we think that my um my my dad's side of the family was a part of it but i never heard about tulsa and it's just like all these different stories you know like billy holiday like tulsa all these things happening throughout history that a lot of people today don't know about we don't know the truth behind it um even like with the black panther um you know society and everything like from everything i've learned in school they was old they're just like the ku klux klan they're in the, they're, they went they went after the police and all stuff i didn't know that they were there to protect and serve all i saw was negative images yep. so it was really good to get like these types of stories where you can see the truth not just a dumb aside is like the truth behind it it's like no this is actually what we was about this is what my life was about so i i like that i can get that from movies and everything yep i, I think the, the the number one thing that i love about the fact that you have a lee daniels directing a majority black cast is that you see representation matters so the people around the table writing that that script, the people around the table saying, OK, we're not going to whitewash this narrative. We're not going to sugarcoat this. We need to paint what was really happening in the context of what was really happening. You know, as a history teacher, when I saw that episode of Lovecraft Country, mm -hmm. you know, you remember they and they talked about the Tulsa riots. And I was like, yeah, that was happening at that time. <laughs> that did happen at that time. They destroyed that entire city <laughs> with right. uh, nuclear weapons, you know, brought in the weapons that they used against the Germans in World War One, and bombed <laughs> a town of black people. Right. And you don't, you're not gonna see that in the history books because that's that's our ugly part of our history. We don't want, cause then as, as a teacher, if I, if I have my students read that, they're gonna come back like, Miss Mitchell, what? <laughs> What was we doing? <laughs> why did why did that happen? Like what what the heck is going on? Because it's always, you know, somebody else is the bad guy. Somebody else did this and somebody else is the enemy where we gotta put that mirror up to ourselves as Americans and say we got a dark history exactly. that we that we need to start addressing. And then we need to start acknowledging, at least like saying or at least learning about it. Right. At least learning about Tulsa and Rosewood and learning about what happened in like that period of of the early 1900s to about the 60s is called what we call the Nadir. 
in our African-American studies class. That's like the low point. That's like the low point of our history where um, black and brown bodies were being targeted. And we, we need to address that, you know, right. in, in the history books instead, we was like, no, 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 no. We want the twenties to be known as the roaring twenties where everybody was dancing and drinking and prohibition. Like, no, no, no. Black people were being lynched. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That's what was happening. The U.S. government just in 1921, <laughs> this destroyed Tulsa. That right. wasn't roaring for us. <laughs> right. That was not roaring for us. So let's look at the whole picture versus let's, you know, taking like the, the, the nice parts of history, the fun parts of history, the, 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 the cool things, the things that make the United States look exceptional and say, no, let's look at the whole picture. Let's look at the whole picture of what we were doing as a nation to our own people. Right. To our own people. Exactly. And if we if we don't learn the true history, then we're bound to repeat itself again. So it's we have to we have to learn these ugly truths. And black people we know, well, not all of us, like I said, I didn't know about Tulsa, but I'm learning as I, you know, as I grow and get older and stuff like that, because I want to know and I want to spread it out there. Like, hey, if we don't learn from the mistakes and we don't learn from these different events that happened to us in the past, we're bound to repeat itself again because you know, we're trying to shield that out. It's like, oh no, like you said, the between the twenties, there, there was no lynching there. It was the Roaring Twenties, and you know, we just came <laughs> out of you know World War One. So we're all trying to make money and stuff. And it was like, no, there's I me. Mean, it was good for some people, but it was worse for a lot of other people. For a lot of people, right, right. <laughs> so, and that's why it's so important to get those narratives out there because we need a whole picture of what was happening and not just the ones of the Roaring Twenties and the people having a good time smoking cigarettes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I I definitely recommend this movie um it is it's not a super tough watch um i know sometimes people can get triggered especially with um seeing ourselves in a bad light um it does have those elements to it but it's one of those things where i definitely feel like um it's a good it's a good entertaining piece but it's also a good lesson for you to go back and say okay let's let's have these conversations afterwards and let's talk about it and let's talk about why that song strange fruit um made a lot of people feel uncomfortable you know why did it and it's like well you know it told about the reality of people living in the south you know told about the reality of you know people all over but you know a lot more people in the south people still slavery people still picking cotton you know people still doing all that type of stuff you know even in the early 1900s but it's like this is our truth this is our reality that we went through um so let's talk about it and if, like i said if we don't learn from those lessons before we're gonna we're gonna repeat it again and you know it's funny you know when you were talking you just made me think about something how those that that era of lynching how they wanted to silence her singing about lynching but there was no silence around the photographs. There was no silence about the images that were being circulated in communities after a lynching. Like mm. people would show up, take pictures with the body and feel like, like they had won a prize if they got a piece of the person who was lynched. And they kept that as souvenirs. So they would remove fingers and remove um, genitalia and an ear as a souvenir. Now they didn't try to silence that. <laughs> You know, there was no silence around, you know, kind of making a mockery out of someone's uh, death. But her singing about it, it was like, oh, no, 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 no don't no. sing about it. <laughs> don't right. sing it about it. So y'all can photograph it. Y'all can take pictures, you know, because that's the thing I kind of think about, like in the textbooks, you have pictures of people posing in front of burned bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, celebrating. And then they made postcards. Justin, did you know they made postcards? And they sent those to family members about, look what we just did. But on the other vein, you're like, we don't want Billie Holiday singing about what we just did, but we don't mind taking pictures of what we just did and sharing those with our friends and family. Wow, I, I didn't. That's actually crazy. I did not know that. I'm not look surprised. At all, look at all the pictures. When you see pictures of lynchings, first of all, know that they're actual photographs. Right. And then you see people post it up, post it up in front of it. Like, look, get my, give me right here. Give me right like, here. Let me get a selfie. <laughs> let me get a selfie. Let me get right. a selfie. Like nobody said anything about that. The government wasn't come from, coming for those people, like going, knocking on their doors and saying, hey, we heard you have pictures of this charred body. We want that destroyed. No, but right. they're going to come after Billie Holiday for singing about it. <laughs> exactly. Do you think that they would have came after like a, like a white person? If, Hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. If they, they would have sung like, you know, 
it would be from a different point of view, but if they would have had a song about lynching, do you think they would have come after a white person? No, that? not at all. Because I'm thinking about all the people who spoke out against the Vietnam War when that was like a taboo thing to talk about. You know, like the Bob Dylans of the world who was making songs and they were like, no, 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 they didn't, they didn't, they didn't silence him. They didn't shut his, his music studio down. They let him, you know, continue on with that art. You know, those types of artists, they didn't come for them. It was, it was the black artists because what it was doing, it was, getting a conversation started in black communities that people deemed as, uh-oh, they're talking. Uh-oh, the black folks are coming together. Uh-oh, the black folks are speaking out. Uh-oh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta silence that because there's right. a fear. There's a fear there. There's a fear of, of, of the voice of the black people. I think that if one thing that this last year taught me is that, like I go back to saying before, like our voices do count. And I think once people realize that your voice does matter, you can get real things changed. You can get some things done. And I think that, you know, the government, you know, back then and now, you know, banks on the fact that people don't really think for themselves. They go based off of images and things that we see online and, you know, what we see on social media and stuff. And they just take that hard fact that they don't really think for themselves. But if you get enough people to really think for themselves, that scares them. They're like, oh, snap, hold on. No, we can't control them anymore. Or we can't, we can't paint this narrative. We can't do this. We can't do that. And I think that it's powerful just when you just take a step back and say, no, let me actually think for myself really quick. And let me actually use my voice for something that I care about. We can actually get some things done and some things that need to be done, you know, not just in this nation, but as a world as a whole. Yep, yep, yep. That's one of the things that I pride myself on as a classroom teacher is encouraging that in my students to say, okay, you read the textbook, what else out, what, what other narratives are out there that kind of you could look at to kind of get a complete understanding of this particular narrative of what was happening in history. So we don't rely on just one source. Right. And, if, and if they rely on one source and they walk away with a narrative was like, oh yeah, that's how it happened. That's what happened. I'm like, what, what, what? Did you not read anything else outside of this? They're like, no, I just, I was like, do not accept. Do not just accept everything at face value that even I as your classroom teacher put in front of you. I want you to question. I want you to question everything, question everything. Um, and then sometimes, you know, they do, they do, they bring it. They're like, well, why we got it? I was like, well, hold on a second. Don't question right, everything. Right. <laughs> don't question that. I see you question the textbook, but don't question that. Don't be questioning me now. Right. <laughs> but 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 that type of narrative is that you want people to investigate and find out and understand for themselves um, versus just accepting things at face value. Say, okay, well, because the government said this is what it is, it is what it is, and I'm just gonna, you know, take that. Like, no, investigate for yourself. Find out what's best for you and your family versus somebody telling you what's best for you and your family. I 100% agree. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, everyone, please check out United States versus Billie Holiday. It is streaming on Hulu right now. I want to give a special thanks to my aunt for coming well, on the thank show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed talking to you. You know, this is what we do anyway. Just have right. a conversation about movies. I just asked a little bit more questions. So today I was like, <laughs> let me act like I know what I'm talking about versus, hey, Justin, why? How did this happen? <laughs> no, you did. Like I said, when I saw the movie and I, I knew I wanted to do a podcast about it, you were the first person that came to mind because I was like, I wanted that. I wanted your knowledge and I wanted your your history teacher knowledge to come through as well. So I really, really appreciate you for coming on this show. Well, I appreciate you too. And I want you to keep doing what you're doing because I enjoy I enjoy watching you in your element. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, it reminds me of watching you when you were in eighth grade be the oh, whiz. So. Oh, Lord. <laughs> In that play, your middle school play, when you played the Wiz, it kind of reminds know. me of my, my nephew is in his element. This is where he he's most comfortable is being <laughs> being in front of a microphone and having an audience. So I, I enjoy watching you do what you do. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for checking out the Movie Bugle podcast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to my podcast as well as my Instagram page at the Movie Bugle for the latest episodes and news regarding the show. And I'll see you all back here every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Until next time, I'll see you guys soon. Bye.